We are creatures of desire. What we most desire is meaning. What makes us suffer most is a lack of meaning. The Meaningful Life with Andrew G. Marshall. Marital therapist, author, and communications trainer Andrew G. Marshall invites guests from all walks of life to discuss what makes life meaningful. Hello, I'm Andrew G. Marshall. Welcome to The Meaningful Life. We're available on Apple, Spotify, Podbeam, Amazon Music, and wherever you find your podcasts. Step parenting and being a stepchild is a topic I come across a lot in my practice. I have clients actively struggling with being a step parent or a biological parent navigating the conflicts between their children and their partner. Some of my clients were brought up in blended families and are navigating unresolved issues from their childhood. I have biological parents who resent the presence of someone new in their children's lives. So I've seen the issues from every side and they can all be tough, especially if there's been a bit of divorce and communication between all the parties is fraught. What everyone needs more than anything is understanding. That's why I love the Pondering Stepmom podcast. Michelle Brown speaks from the heart and from personal experience on all the hot button issues about step parenting and blends advice and comments from other stepmoms. Michelle has a biological daughter from her second and current husband, and she has a 19 year old stepson from her husband's previous relationship, and she's been in his life since he was six. And at times, she's been a full-time step-parent. So, Michelle, welcome to the podcast. What were your expectations going into step-parenting all those years ago? Oh, (laughs) hi, and thank you for having me. I did not have any expectations whatsoever. I write about this a lot. I had no experience with any kind of step parents growing up. I had two parents. All my friends had two parents. I rarely came into contact with anyone's stepmom or stepdad. What is that? So when I met my current husband and he had a six-year-old son and we were dating and I was like, okay, he's adorable. I love him. He's great. And then when things started getting serious and the biological mom was kind of in and out, not really consistent, I realized, oh, this is a package deal. If I'm going to become serious with this guy, this is the two of them and he's going to be in my life and I'm going to be a stepmom. No idea what that meant, what that entailed, but I jumped in. And what were your expectations of yourself? Because I have the picture of you saying something like, I've got enough love in my heart for both you and your son. And it all sounds absolutely wonderful. And I'm sure you did. But were your expectations of yourself a little bit ambitious? Oh, absolutely. I would say that's my personality in general. I just, (laughs) I went in guns blazing You know, him and I bonded very quickly, very sweet, loving, gentle child. You know, I was already very involved doing his laundry. You know, they were kind of like two bachelors when I was dating him and I was kind of taking over things and I didn't really realize that I was perhaps stepping on 
the bio mom's toes a little bit. I would say it was a little bit aggressive in the beginning. And looking back now, I wonder if maybe I should have stepped back a little bit, but it just wasn't in my nature. I just, I wanted to mother him and it just came naturally, very unexpectedly. I can sort of see a sitcom, sort of two bachelors, a potential stepmom, and the bio mum in the background. I could see a really cute sitcom. We'd all find Absolutely. it very funny. But actually, I think there could be a huge amount of pain. What did you discover? He was six years old, my stepson, and he was very kind. He was very generous towards his mother, you know, maybe picking him up some weekends, maybe not picking him up some weekends. Him and his dad were and are very, very close, sort of two peas in a pod. I don't think that my stepson really felt that pain until later, until he reached puberty and realized, hey, like, why do I not see my mom very much? And, you know, why is she maybe a little bit too busy for me? And why is Michelle doing all these mom things for me? And my mom isn't. I would say that my now husband had a lot of bitterness and anger and pain towards her. He was 24 when he had my stepson and the mom was quite a bit older and he was essentially left as a single dad in the beginning at 24. I think he had more pain than my stepson. You had been married before and you had a lot of pain too, didn't you? Absolutely. Was a abusive first marriage, very toxic, and I really didn't want to get married again much less take on someone else's child. <laughs> but it just, it happened and I fell in love with both of them. Because what you say, and I think this is so true, is nobody ever dreams of being a stepmom. Absolutely not. I mean, do you know anyone who can't wait to grow up and become a step-parent? <laughs> Especially given all the hardships people communicate about the job in general. And our culture is really cruel to step-parents because, you know, we immediately think of Snow White, whose wicked stepmother wants to kill her. Yes. But I think what is really, really interesting is in the original Grimm's fairy tale, before the uh, Disney Corporation got in hold of her, was actually her real mum. Because there is a dark side to mothers. We sometimes don't want to acknowledge them, but we're very happy to acknowledge the dark side of stepmoms, aren't we? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's not fair. It isn't fair, but it is the way the complicated, multi-layered societal strangeness about motherhood. And I think that stepmothers kind of get more abuse as a default because motherhood is just so, I write about this a lot. There's women who never wanted to become a mother in the first place and ended up becoming a mom. And that wasn't really what they wanted. And they get vilified for that. You know, you have to do the things that you need to do to be a mother in the society. And if you sort of abandon your job, you get vilified. And then someone like me comes into a situation where the mother is sort of stepped away. I'm still vilified because I'm overstepping. 
And from my perception, I'm not overstepping because there was a space that was left there for me to walk into essentially. But when you're not the real mom, people don't like that. It's a very odd thing to me, you know, and I try to express all the time the role of mothering can come in so many different ways besides birth, but it's just, it's something society still has a hard time with. So what made you decide to start your podcast? Well, originally I started my blog when my daughter was like one years old and I had just quit my job, my longtime corporate office job to take care of my stepson and my daughter. And I never wanted to be a stay at home mom, but there I was sort of instant mom and stepmom. And I couldn't find any resources for being a stepmom. There were a lot of mommy blogs and mommy podcasts, but I could not find a single stepmom resource. And this was maybe 2013, 2014. And so I said, you know what? I'm going to be the resource that I can't find. I'm going to start a blog and I'm going to write about parenting relationships, but also step parenting. And then a couple years later, I developed the podcast because I would get so many comments from people that I thought I need to share this because if there's one thing I've learned about stepmoms is they're lonely and they feel isolated and they feel like nobody can relate to their situation. Nowadays, there's a ton of stepmom resources. There's coaching, there's retreats, there's blogs, there's podcasts, but back then there wasn't much. And what I like and would recommend to everybody to listen if you are a stepmom, and in fact, actually, if you're in any part of this constellation, is you are kind and generous, obviously, to stepmothers because you can really relate to what they're going through. But I would say you're generous to bio mums, to partners, and to the children too, and the biological children who are caught up in these relationships too. How did you manage to pull that off? Well, I just, I have seen a lot of other step parenting forums and communities online. There's a lot of toxic stuff going on. There's a lot of stepmoms that are struggling with a high conflict, as they call it, biological mother. There's a lot of negativity and name calling and sort of drama that I was seeing online that I did not like. And I wanted my podcast to not be that. I don't want to feed into the negativity because step moms in general, stepdads too, are dealing already with so much negativity. And I wanted to try and bring in some not necessarily just positivity, but comfort and solace. And let's talk about this. Let's just not blame each other. I've had a very difficult relationship with my stepson's mom, but I try very hard not to drag that in because it's not productive. Nobody needs that. So I just, I try. So give me a picture of what it was like at the beginning, because what you write about is that for the first four years, you found it really difficult. You sort of basically were at everybody's beck and call, it sounds like, and you found it really quite difficult to, the word you use is be assertive. But before we talk about that, sort of tell me about those early years. What was it like for you? 
Well, because I had quit my job and my husband was working and bio mom also had a job, I kind of felt like the burden was on me because I was now a stay at home mom to sort of do everything and be everywhere for everyone and transport everyone everywhere, do the school pickup and because I was home. And I definitely would say now, looking back, that I just overstretched myself and burnt myself out, you know, with a baby and a toddler and trying to make every award ceremony for the elementary school for my stepson and picking him up and taking him back and forth to his mom's. It was a lot, but I was trying really hard to be that super stepmom. And there's a lot of stepmoms out there who are trying to be that super thing to make up for or to overcompensate for the broken relationship that has built the situation that you're currently in from the past. So I'm going to give you from today some of your wisdom to send back to you at that point. This is one of your recent posts on Facebook, which I absolutely love. Sometimes the hardest part of being a stepmom is not being able to fix what's wrong. Yes. What do you think you, from the beginning, would have made of that particular piece of wisdom from you today? I'm not sure I would have listened to it, quite honestly. I think I might have just barreled through and said, oh, you know what? It's This is my responsibility now. I'm a stay-at-home mom. I'm going to do everything. I'm going to take care of everyone. And I mean, I'd like to think I would listen to it, but one of the things that's really hitting me now at this age, I guess, is... You can't learn the lessons that you need to learn until you live through it. As much as you would like to have that nugget of wisdom before you have to go through the hard stuff, you just can't. And that's, you know, it's so frustrating, but we all have to go through it. And I had to learn my lesson. And how did having your own biological child impact on your relationship with your stepson? When I first found out that I was pregnant, I was very worried that he would be upset, that he would be jealous. And it turns out he welcomed it. Again, he is the sweetest child. I got very, very lucky with him, especially in the younger years. He was excited when we named her before she was born. He, when I gave birth to her, he came and he begged his mom to bring him and he laid in the hospital bed with me and held his sister. And that was a really beautiful moment. And I know other stepmoms out there are not lucky enough to have that particular experience. So I worried more about how he felt about her than I think he did. He accepted her right off the bat, and he's always been a wonderful brother. Although... When she got older, I did notice that it was difficult for me to divide up my time between the two of them. And as his biological mother was more and more off the scene, I struggled to overcompensate and give him attention and make sure he felt loved while also dealing with my mom challenges with my daughter. And has your daughter ever expressed sort of, it's not fairness? Occasionally, when we would have to drive him back and forth places to his mom's, stuff like that, she would get little, you know, why do we have to take him back and forth? But other than that, she's been very good about it. She's been very understanding. 
his mom eventually left the state without him when he was 13. And that was a very dark time in our lives. And she really felt empathy for him. She felt his pain. She didn't really know what to say to him. She couldn't imagine because imagine her thinking if I did that. And that's how she thought because she'd always had me. And he, you know, just as a child thinking, wow, like his mom is gone and he doesn't have a mom and I have a mom. Maybe she felt a little guilty. I'm not sure. That's interesting, feeling a little bit guilty. I mean, I haven't asked her that question, but I wonder sometimes if she feels, you know, I got a mom and he didn't kind of thing. Because sibling rivalry is difficult when you're full siblings. I remember Mm -hmm. when my sister was, well, the fact that I remember when my sister was born and I wasn't yet three (laughs) shows you what a big impact that had on me. So I hate to think what it's like when it comes to step parents and step parenting. What do your, your listeners tell you about this? Well, I think my situation is interesting because they have such a huge age gap. Like my daughter now is 11 and he's 19 now. Still can't believe it when I say it. And because of their age gap, they're more friends, I think, than siblings. And I think when you've got bio kids and stepkids mixed in together that are closer in age, it can get really sticky. I mean especially with dividing up your time and and feeling like I've, you know, I'm showing love to this one and I need to show love. Everyone needs to be equal and I don't want them to feel like the quote unquote redheaded stepchild. You know, I can't even imagine having younger kids all close in age mixed in to a blended family. So you write, there are three words every stepmother knows. I thought it would be, it's not fair, What actually is it? (laughs) I'm not enough. This was something that played out in my brain over and over and over. And when I wrote the article, it just came out of my mind because I was always thinking I'm not enough. No matter what I do, no matter how many times I step in, no matter how many times I fix things and give love and pay attention to, you know, a child wants essentially that love from their mother. And I always felt that no matter how much I did, my stepchild wanted that love from their biological parent. It's very, very important, I believe, for a child, especially a boy, to have that mother's love. And I always worried and paid attention to the fact that he would always have this abandonment going on as far as not getting that attention from his own mother. So I really bent over backwards, trying to be that, but still kind of feeling like I'm not enough. And how did you deal with that feeling of being not enough? Um, I had moments where I would cry, moments where I'd be angry. But most of all, I started writing. And the podcast has become extremely cathartic. Every time I do a podcast and I read through a listener's comments, it's like I'm realizing something at the time that I'm reacting to it. And it's helped me. I know a lot of stepmoms write in and say, I love your podcast. It's so great. But I'm like, no, thank you, because you're also helping me. 
through your story and your experience. So it's, I love it. And as I said, you learned to become more assertive. What do you mean by assertive and how did you learn to become assertive? Oh, that took a really long time. And I think that it came with going through the process of realizing that when you're constantly editing yourself to please other people or not expressing your anger or not expressing that you're upset about a certain situation, you're sort of muffling yourself. And, you know, a lot of stepmoms communicate this to me that, you know, we don't want to cause any waves. We don't want to rock the boat. We don't want to upset anyone. So they're quiet and they don't say anything. And at a certain point, I just started speaking up more. I started allowing my family to see me kind of lose it and get angry. And I realized that, you know what, that's okay. I can get upset. I can yell at somebody for not, you know, picking up their socks or whatever it is. Like, it's okay. Because for a long time, I was very afraid to discipline my stepchild. And a lot of stepmoms are going through this where I don't want to bring them any more pain or trauma or disruption than they're already going through. And that's something I talk about is where, you know, it's okay. And in fact, I've learned that they enjoy the structure of being disciplined more than not. Because when you're somebody who's there for them all the time and you are disciplining them and you are being more assertive and saying, no, you need to do this, they actually like that. Children need that security blanket, in my opinion. And what about the whole biological father situation, who obviously is uh, your partner? How do you... (laughs) How do you navigate that? Because they're probably in conflict with the biological mother and you're in the middle. Yes. And that's also something I write about how in the beginning, the bio mom would talk to me more than to him. And I was really stuck in the middle. And of course, I was trying to build a good relationship with her for the sake of, you know, my stepson. But after a while, I kind of got tired of that, and the two of them had trouble communicating. And the whole thing was incredibly hard on our marriage, really hard on our relationship. I felt that he needed to have more boundaries with her, and the boundaries weren't there. This is something stepmoms write to me about <laughs> all the time, that he's I not reco- disciplining the child. I recognize it, too. Yeah. It, it, it was really hard. I mean, I think we've come out stronger, but there were some years there where our ideas of parenting were not matching. And then the child's going to another household every so often, where it's completely different. So to be on the same page, you know, it's very difficult. So what advice have you gathered that would be useful for people in this situation? Biggest piece of advice is that if you're a step parent and you have a bio parent together in a household, you need to be a united front 
Because even when you're two biological parents and you're not united, children see the cracks in that and they will manipulate it in any way that they can. I mean, it's just that's what children do for survival. I'm not saying, you know, children are bad, but that's what kids do. And I've found that as far as my relationship with my husband, we've got to be united. Even if we don't agree in private, we need to present a united front to the children, have the same rules, be on the same page. That's really my big advice, biggest advice, sorry, that I've learned so far. So what advice do you have when there is a clash about getting on the same page? Because a biological parent sort of has more power and more points in the decision-making than the stepmom. And this was a big source of contention in our relationship is I would always say, you need to tell him to do X, Y, and Z because he listens to you more. But I'm the one who's home all the time dealing with the consequences of him not doing X, Y, and Z. And there's going to be times where I need to bring you in and you need to be, you know, the enforcer for me because the relationship, I talk about this a lot, the relationship that I have with my stepchild isn't the same as what he's got with his biological parent. It has taken years to build trust, to build our relationship. It didn't just come naturally. And the relationship, it feels more delicate. So I feel more hesitant to really come down on him about certain things because there was a point where I got really upset with him when he was little and he went in his room and he cried and I went and knocked on the door and I said, what's, you know, what's up? And he said, do you still want to be my stepmom? And so he was afraid of, there's the abandonment thing again. He was afraid And so it's so fragile, it's so delicate, and I try to explain this to my partner is like, I'm going to need you to jump in and do some of the hard stuff because I'm the soft place to fall. That's the precedent I've set up. That's the relationship I've built with him. So I know a lot of stepmoms feel this as well. Because what I'm sensing is you need to choose your time to talk to the biological father about this. Because when you're angry, it's going to come across as criticism towards him. Um, How you're managing to put it over now is just, this is how I'm feeling and this is how I see the world. And I can hear that. But if you were telling me this when you were angry, I wouldn't be able to hear it. I'd just become defensive and the wall between the two of us would get bigger and bigger. So choosing your time, coming off down off the wall before you speak and just talking from this is what it's like from my perspective rather than trying to say you need to do this, et cetera, et cetera, that seems to be incredibly important. Have I got that right? Absolutely. And also realizing that, you know, I think a lot of the time when I'm going to my partner and saying, all right, our son essentially is doing this and this behavior needs to stop or I'm worried about this, he might take it as a rejection of him as well. It's a weird thing. And it's it's something I've realized, you know, I'm not rejecting your son. I'm not rejecting you. I love both of you, but I'm seeing this happen and, you know, this behavior needs to be addressed. It's taken years. 
I love that sentence. I love you. I love your child. But there's something that needs to be addressed. I think I can hear that much better than your son needs to do this. Right. But it's trial and error. I mean, it took me years to figure out how to communicate properly. Mm. So listening to your podcast, it seems that the number one issue for stepmoms is scheduling. Have I got that correct? And what is scheduling? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I'm, I guess what you would call a seasoned stepmom now. So I don't have to deal with a lot of that. He's got his own car, drives himself around. But stepmoms, you know, holiday planning. If you've got a 50-50 blended family situation where the kids spend half their time one place and half their time the other, and where are they going for Thanksgiving? What are they doing for Christmas? Who's got them on summer break? And then I guess you have a lot of stepmoms where the bio mom or the other household switches things randomly. And that's really the biggest complaint, but really it's not about the scheduling. It's about consideration. They're feeling like they're left out of the loop, that they're not being considered, that they're essentially a ghost. And that's what I'm hearing from these stepmoms. They're not getting the respect of the communication that needs to happen in regards to routines and schedules. That's what I hear from them. Any advice on how to deal with that? Uh, it's a tough one. I mean, the sort of go-to answer is, well, maybe everyone could get some counseling and go to, you know, therapy or something like that. But a lot of people aren't open to that. A lot of stepmoms have like a shared calendar that they try to implement. Communication, Although some of the households are just the walls of communication have been absolutely broken where the parents at each household don't even talk to each other. So for me, trying to find solutions when I get stepmoms writing to me about that is it's a tough one. Kids have a lot going on from sport practice to school, extracurricular activities, sleepovers. I mean... The list goes on. I mean, you're doing this interview from your car, which seems like the best place for a stepmom to do an interview (laughs) because I I think that you live in your car almost if you're a (laughs) stepmom. That's funny. Yeah, that's perfect. So any advice on dealing with bio mums? Well, I hesitate to sort of throw all biological moms in a blended family situation into the basket of they're just terrible and they're not all terrible. But from my experience, a lot of the stepmoms that I hear from are doing a lot because maybe bio mom has decided that parenting isn't for her or she's moved away or started a different family somewhere else, or more often than not, there's drug and alcohol issues that have taken the biological mom out of the picture. And so these are stepmoms who are really going above and beyond, and they're frustrated, and they're tired, and they're resentful. And then bio mom will pop up into the picture after being gone for months. And then you have to deal with the children's emotions and how that affects them. And these are more of the stepmoms that I hear from. 
where the bio moms have been an issue and been a problem. But there are bio moms out there who are fantastic and who make really good friends with the stepmom. Yeah, I I had a, a friend who was a stepmother. She didn't have children of her own. And when her husband got divorced, their youngest child was almost sort of in nappies. And so she was doing a lot and she was involved for a long time. And then the second marriage broke down and... At that point, she had no access to the stepchildren after having a a very deep relationship with them. And what she was able to do, which I thought was absolutely wonderful, in fact, I did a a newspaper article about it, is she became friends with the bio mum so that she could still have them some weekends because, I mean, there's... You can never have too many parents uh, available to look yeah. after children. But she wasn't getting the access through her ex-husband, but through the biological mother. And they formed a very close relationship, which was extraordinary. Wow. Can you imagine? Kudos to that stepmom. And that's just a testament to the kind of women that are out there in the world doing the hard work of parenting, even when they don't have to. That's amazing. That's a great story. But you also talk about the importance of stepping back as a step parent. So what do you mean by that? And why is it important? Yes, this is a hot issue with stepmoms on the internet right now, as some call it disengaging or stepping back. And when I first heard the term disengaging, when I was really early into step parenting, I kind of was like, that's horrible. Why would you disengage? You know, you need to re-engage. You need to super engage because that's where I was at the time. I was super engaging. I was super doing everything. And then over time, I started realizing exactly what the disengaging meant. Maybe the term isn't the best term. It sounds a bit cold, perhaps, but it's more of just allowing the biological parents to do what they need to do and what they should be doing and perhaps giving yourself a bit of a break, not doing so many things and allowing them to be the parents that they need to be instead of you doing everything. And again, I think this is something that full-time stepmoms have a hard time with because they say, well, I can't step back. I'm the only one here. Dad is working. Mom's not in the picture. I have to do everything. So it's a bit of a hot issue with stepmoms. But even if you have to do everything, you don't have to be super stepmom. You can step back and give yourself a little bit more grace. You can be less critical of yourself when you don't pull things off and when things go wrong. Perfectly said. And that's what we need to keep telling ourselves. And I say a lot that I think a lot of stepmoms are just overachievers in general, just really involved, super passionate. And sometimes you just need to scale that back and put yourself in a timeout, (laughs) so to speak. And I think I'm going to repeat your words of wisdom. Sometimes the hardest part of being a stepmom is not being able to fix what's wrong. Yes. (laughs) And you've got to let it go. And actually, to be perfectly honest, I think it's one of the hardest parts of being a mother or a father is that you can't fix everything in your child's life. And in a sense, there are things they have to learn and fix for themselves. Yes. Learning that with my 11-year-old now. 
give us an example of that. Oh, you know, dealing with female friendships at school and bullying and, you know, how do I solve this issue? And just knowing that this is only the beginning and this is just stuff she's got to figure out on her own, navigating relationships. Yeah, you sort of want to follow her around like sort of secret squirrel all day long and be able to step in whenever necessary. And that's not possible, is it? No, I would if I could, but I know that I can't. (laughs) So in a moment, we're going to actually look at a practical situation that's been written in by one of my listeners, and we'll be doing that in just a moment. The Meaningful Life with Andrew G. Marshall. Please follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, and visit our website, andrewgmarshall.com forward slash podcast, where you can join our supporters club and unlock bonus material and other benefits. Guess how long I've been helping couples have more fulfilling relationships? The answer shocked me. 39 years. Over this time, I've developed all sorts of interventions to help couples communicate better and make meaningful changes to protect and nurture their love. Some ideas I've used for a while and dropped, but at the core, there are a handful of must-haves that I use with all the couples I see face-to-face. Sadly, I can't work with everyone who wants my help, but I can share my best relationship tools. I've put them in a new course with worksheets and links to my most helpful podcasts. There are four hours of instructions to do at your pace together, with your partner or on your own. And it normally retails at £150. But to launch, I've dropped them to a special introductory price of £99.50. If you'd like to find out more, go to andrewgmarshall.com forward slash tools and get started on improving your relationship. If you'd like to participate in the programme and send in a letter about a dilemma that you're dealing with, I will do my best to find an expert who will um, be able to deal with it, or I'll find somebody interesting to give you an entirely different perspective. If you'd like to do that, you can go to my website, www.andrewgmarshall.com forward slash podcast. You'll find a chance to sign up to my newsletter. I send great articles two times a month, sometimes from me, sometimes from some of the experts who appear on my podcast. And you'll also find a place where you can participate in the show. And this is what's been written in by one listener. My husband's son is causing a lot of problems in our relationship. His mother has poured a lot of poison into him and he dumps it all over our lives. I thought at the beginning he's young and he's been through a lot. Give him time and he'll come round. But no, he just gets more and more disrespectful. I have a daughter from my first marriage, but he heard her calling my husband Papa, not Daddy or Dad because she has one, and he was so cruel to her. I can put up with him being dismissive and rude to me, but not my daughter, who looks up to him. It breaks my heart. I've spoken to his father many times, but he's such a softy, I don't think his son really hears him. I'm at the end of my tether. So what do you think, Michelle? Well, my first thought is, you know, 
the role of the father here, where the stepmom says she's spoken to him many times, but that he's a softy and doesn't think that the son is listening to him. Speaking from experience, I see how a lot of fathers are parenting from a place of guilt in a lot of blended families. And they are being a little bit too soft, as she says, or afraid to discipline because they feel bad that they weren't able to give the child, you know, a two-parent household in the beginning of their lives. And I have seen this with my own husband, and I have told him this, you know, it's parental guilt, and you're letting the child get away with certain things because you feel bad and you're sort of more indulgent. I mean, I'm not a certified therapist, but I can tell you I've watched my own partner struggle with disciplining his own child. I do think he carries the guilt that he didn't provide his child with, you know, a good relationship that he could role model for him. I think that a lot of the time this behavior from a mostly bio dad, I would say, comes from a feeling of desperation. They just, they don't really know what to do. So they stay quiet and they do nothing. And then you've got the stepmother who's going crazy and she's just at the end of her rope and she's not being treated with any respect or any dignity at all. And that cannot go on in a household. So what do you do? I think it's extremely hard to blend families together. And It sounds like when the son heard her daughter call his father by the name Papa, I think it probably brought up a lot of feelings and emotions and jealousy in that child. Again, I think that the two of them need to present a united front. I think that the father needs to step up. I think that the stepmom needs to be treated as a human being in her own home You know, you can say good morning, you can say hello, you can be civil, even if you're not happy with your dad being with this person or being put in this situation. I think at the very best, we need to teach our children how to treat adults with respect that you're living with in a household. It it sounds like an extreme situation that might require some sort of counseling, but it doesn't sound like all participants would be willing in this case. And maybe this is a stepmom that does need to step back or disengage, as we've discussed. I mean, I'm thinking that the might be a good thing to do is for everybody to be a little bit better at listening. So, Instead of saying you feel guilty and sort of diagnosing it, saying, could you be feeling guilty? In what ways? Tell me about your guilt. Oh, reflecting back. So you're feeling guilty that you weren't able to provide the loving home that you wanted to. So you're not trying to solve. You're just trying to listen. I think that would be really good. And Hopefully, this will actually teach your partner to be able to do the same thing so that when he's talking to his son, it's okay to feel jealous. It's a natural human emotion. Tell me about why you feel jealous. 
and be able to do some listening rather than trying to rush in and do some solving because that's our natural tendency when we see that something is difficult we want to solve it we to uh, repeat it you know we want to fix what's wrong and actually sometimes being able to listen to what's wrong and sit with what's wrong is actually what's needed what do you think michelle yes i think that's good I also think the dad needs to remember his relationship. One thing I have learned, and a lot of people don't agree with this, is I really do think your relationship needs to come first. I don't think that the father should be okay with his partner being treated in this manner, even though it is his child. And I think you need to show the children that your relationship is that important to you, that you feel your partner should be treated with respect. And that's how his son should learn how to treat everyone in the world as well. I mean, there's different ways you can say it, but what strikes me the most is, you know, this is your partner. Do you really want to see them being treated in this way, even if it's one of your children? And that is a really important thing to say. You've actually got to model that your partner is important. And, you know, obviously, if your child is ill, then uh, the child suddenly goes up the list. But in general, your partner comes first. And I mean, this is a difficult thing to people find when it comes to their own children. If they're, you know, both co-parents, there's a tendency to always put the child first and your partner second because they will understand. But that puts the child the sort of the, the apex of the family and a child can't be at the apex of the family without getting terribly insecure and anxious. And that is a terribly controversial thing to say. You put your partner first and the children follow on behind because I once wrote a book and I got into so much trouble for saying this. Your partner is forever, but the children are just passing through. Whereas actually a lot of people sort of think of being a parent is forever and being a partner is just passing through these days. And it's all the wrong way round. But I got into so much trouble saying that. And I think it's even harder when you're a step parent rather than the, both of you biological parents together. But I, I still think it's actually good advice. Yes, I absolutely agree with you. I mean, we could word it a bunch of different ways. But in the end, and this is what I tell my husband is, look, we're in this together and there will be no family if the two of us fall apart and we're fighting all the time. You know, we've got to stick together. We need to be united. We want to show the kids what a real relationship is like, especially having one of the children you know, coming from a broken relationship, you really want to show them that we fight, we don't agree, we make up, you know, we're a team. And I think that's one of the most important things. And one of the things I'm most proud of as far as being a stepmom is my relationship with my partner and having my stepchild see that and witness it. So I totally agree with you. And he will have a great role model to take when he is having relationships himself. So uh, that is really important. I mean, it seems to me that you've learned a huge amount from being a stepmom. What do you think is the most important thing you've learned? Oh, my goodness. The most important thing I've learned, I am still learning, is really just hindsight is twenty twenty, And literally, you just, you can't, 
you can't know what you don't know. And you just, you've got to accept that there's things, there were things I wish I could go back and do differently, but you cannot do that. And you've just got to soldier on and spreading my experiences and my things that have happened to me in my blogs and on my podcast is really the best I can do to sort of take back that control that I feel that I lost. I've learned a lot about myself being a bit of a control freak. And, you know, I think I did a podcast talking about this, about how a lot of stepmoms feel like they're control freaks because they feel like they need to control everything. And when you become a step parent, so many things are out of your control and it can be very triggering for a lot of women like me who feel like they need to know what's happening. And this goes back to the scheduling. And I've got one thing to say to you, Michelle, which is being a parent and being in control. Those are two things that don't actually fit together. <laughs> well, that's what I've learned. <laughs> So we've almost run out of time. If you are a supporter of The Meaningful Life, the conversation will continue in a moment. But Michelle, I have to ask you as a witness on The Meaningful Life, what makes your life meaningful? What makes my life meaningful right now is just feeling that curiosity about life, observing things, writing about things. I, throughout this whole all these chapters of my step parenting and parenting journey, which sometimes gets lost in the shuffle of my big step parenting journey, is just the sanctuary of my writing. It's my island. It's my place just for me. It's where I've been able to express myself and create a community and feel like myself. So right now, writing is what makes my life meaningful. And I love the answer about curiosity, because I think that that is such a beautiful way to reach the world. And the other thing I would say is everybody can write, you know, keep a journal. A diary can be a place of refuge. You don't have to put it online if you don't want to. And if you do, you'll find that other people will gravitate towards you because we all like to see ourselves reflected in other people's eyes. So we're going to talk about uh, something that we haven't really touched on in the bonus material. And this is what Michelle learned meeting her ex-husband for breakfast. Oh. <laughs> because we all would like to sort of go back and see the past again through fresh eyes. Michelle has done it. So we'll find out what that was like in just a moment. And if you want to hear that bonus material, you can subscribe directly via Apple or Spotify. We're also available on Amazon Music. And if you want to become a supporter of The Meaningful Life and unlock the bonus material this way, here are the details. You've been listening to The Meaningful Life with Andrew G. Marshall. You can follow Andrew on Twitter, like him on Facebook, and please leave a review wherever you consume your podcasts. Making, editing, and distributing The Meaningful Life comes with substantial costs, and we'd like to ask for your help. Visit our website, andrewgmarshall.com forward slash podcast, where you can join our supporters club and unlock bonus material for every program, send in a letter to be discussed by Andrew and his guests, and join a community of other people seeking to make their life meaningful. 
the gold level, you get even more benefits. Production of The Meaningful Life with Andrew G. Marshall is by Michael Dooney. Social media by Madeleine Healy. Sound engineering and theme tune by Sebastian de la Luz Mendoza. And I'm Susie Colick. Please tell your friends and spread the word. Thank you.